0: Welcome to the KICS EAP Podcast, your monthly podcast with important leaders in education from Eastern Europe, Middle East and North Africa, Central Asia, and the Asia Pacific. I'm your host, Ryan Allen, assistant professor at Chapman University here in Southern California, and my own background is in international and comparative education. Let's start the show. Today, we have Dr. Elena Cardanova from the National Research University Higher School of Economics in Moscow, Russia. We go over her career and her interest in mathematics and later in psychometrics. Then we talk more about her university and research center and some of the challenges of balancing between Russian and English publishing. All right, let's go to the interview. Dr. Cardanova, thank you for joining us today. If we could, maybe let's open up with your educational background. You have a a PhD and an MA from St. Petersburg state university in uh, mathematics. Or your backgrounds in mathematics uh, I know you know mathematics sometimes scares a lot of people and it's something that's oh I don't like numbers and it's <laughs> it almost like traumatizes I think students or kids and and then if if they're traumatized then they just don't want to get into it so what was your sort of relationship or how did you get into uh, mathematics
1: yes yes thank you for asking Ryan, but- First of all, I'd like to thank you for inviting me to participate in this postcard. It's, it's a new experience for me. It's very interesting to participate in. I hope it will be successful. And uh, thank you that I'm the first person from Russian Federation. It's interesting and yeah. it's, it's new for me. So, asking your question uh, really, my background is in mathematics. And I graduated from St. Petersburg State University many years ago. And I had my PhD uh, also in mathematics, more exactly in differential equations. Uh, So qualitative theory of differential equations. And many years after that, I taught higher mathematics uh, at uh, university in uh, Veliki Novgorod. a very famous city in Russia. And I taught mathematics for students with uh, double e major. And uh, also I taught differential theory of differential equations for students with major applied mathematics. And only in the end of 90s, I I turned my career to psychometrics. It was a very interesting way because it was unexpected for me. And it just happened by chance because uh, it is interesting story because tests uh, were prohibited in Russia uh, to use uh, from 1966. Before that, uh, psychometrics uh, Uh, We we had several scientific groups, several labs, who developed tests, and there are two uh, directions. One of them was psychotechnics, and they developed tests for professional maybe selection. And another direction was uh, called pedology, and they developed Massive tests for everything to measure everything, including psychological uh, constructs uh, as well as achievement tense, attitudes, and so on. And there was a very famous and set government decree in uh, 1936 uh, that, um, and all tests were prohibited for more than 50 years. And only in the beginning of 90s, we began to develop tests. We began to use them in psychology first and educational tests uh, a little bit later too. And I uh, just in the end of 90s, uh, I read several papers in English, for example, uh, Ron Hamilton's book, Fundamentals of Item Response Theory. It was just <laughs> space for me. <laughs> I, it was so interesting. And my uh, background in mathematics, that it helped me a lot because modern test theory is based on mathematical modeling. So of course it was very interesting for me, it's you, it was new. And I uh, tried to find opportunities to go to United States and to study psychometrics. And I had two scholarships, one of them in 1998. It was a program business for Russia. And it was my first experience to work in uh, scholastic testing service under supervising of Dr. Uh, John Kaufman. It was my first experience and I studied classical test theory at that time. I knew so many new uh, conceptions and words like reliability, (laughs) validity, and item characteristics. It was exciting. And when I came in in 1998, I could not stop. So after that, I decided to devote uh, my life to psychometrics and I went to UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago in 2002, 2003 for a loan scholarship with Fulbright program. And I studied psychometrics, I conducted my own research and after that, I began this direction uh, at HSE. I was invited to work at Federal Testing Center and at University High School of Economics, where I uh, am um, working now, too. So it's just my way in psychometrics and uh, answering your question. Of course, mathematics is not easy subject. But I liked it all my time and uh, all my life. And fortunately, i I, I was lucky uh, that I had this background. It was much easier to study. I mathematics.
0: okay. yeah, I, I'm curious because I think a, a lot of people coming from this subject uh, in recent years, and maybe students or people who who they sort of had their education in in the past decade or so, they might not realize big data and computer, you know, programs like SPSS or or uh, Stat or R, or whatever it might be, you know, these things weren't wildly available, or they were in sort of just very limited ways. So I'm wondering what sort of the changes or what were maybe that you've seen over just from the sort of the 80s, 90s, and then up until today? Like, what what was that sort of experience like?
1: Yes, of course, there are great changes. And now psychometrics is different. Now we have uh, computational psychometrics that Alina von Dever and her colleagues developed in the United States. So it's, uh, it's a new direction of psychometrics. And of course you're right. It's it is not possible to work in psychometrics if you um, don't like statistics, hmm. mathematics. Uh, if you cannot uh, write, uh, use software like specialized, for example, like Winsteps or SPSS that you mentioned. Or if you don't use R, that it's very popular now, and uh, of course you you need some uh, things. But uh, you uh, there are different degrees of uh, use of this software. For example, you can just use them, and you can, under- you can understand how to. Uh, 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 interpreter outputs of the software. And for example, as for me, I am in a such position now that I usually don't conduct analysis by hand, but my uh, students, my uh, colleagues, we can uh, uh, conduct some kind of analysis together and I can understand outputs and I can interpret them. And so really, of course, if, especially if we uh, speak about modern technologies, about big data, about uh, digital traces, about analysis of all this information that it's very new. It, it's new, but very popular now. and It's very important to add this information to just test results and to take it into account. Mm-hmm. So of course you're right.
0: Right. I, I think I, I use a metaphor and I teach a, a quantitative research class and survey methods. And sometimes I use the metaphor of learning to drive. A, a lot of people can learn how to drive and that's maybe using the, the software. Uh, but a lot of people don't learn how to like work on the car and fix the car. And that's understanding the the equations and, and sort of the math and maybe doing those things by hand yeah uh, So that's probably the difference between some of them. Yes, it's about me
1: also, <laughs> because I <laughs> can drive, but they don't understand anything in the car. So it's about me. Oh, I see.
0: I, I, I'm sure you're you're selling yourself short there, but um, I, I appreciate that. If if we can, let's talk a little bit about uh, your uh, National Research University uh, mm-hmm. Higher School of, of Economics. Can yes. you talk a little bit about? What is, what kind of students are you training? What, what, are, they, what are they going to do uh, and, and sort of what, what is, the, is the focus of some of the research coming out of your mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: institute there? Yeah, thank you for uh, your question. Uh, I, I will begin from a short maybe description of my university because sure. it's an uh, untypical university, it's very young, but it's top university of Russia. It his uh, history uh, began from uh, 1992, so it's very young university, and now it is uh, one of the top universities, mm-hmm. and it's included in many international rankings, including uh, QS, for example, and in education subject raising, uh, we are uh, at first. 100 universities of the world now, can you imagine, for the last year? And so my university is very famous, very. And uh, his history is uh, so atypical because from uh, 60 students in in 1992 to 50,000 students this year, We have four campuses in four Russian cities. We have all kinds of uh, educational institutes from secondary school to PhD, uh, post-secondary education. And uh, it's huge university with a lot of institutes uh, uh, inside. And I represent Institute of Education. And uh, it is younger than uh, HSE. It was founded uh, about maybe 2010. I think. And now it's uh, not very big. Uh, we have about uh, 250 employees. Mm. And uh, my center that I am director of It's called uh, Center for Psychometrics and Educational Measurement, and uh, it was founded in two thousand thirteen from four persons, and now it has about forty. It's one of the biggest centers in the Institute of Education, and we have our master program. Uh, It uh, uh, it is science of Learning and assessment. I see. It's the only master program in Russian Federation mm. and previous Soviet Union uh, that uh, devoted to test development and psychometrics. Oh wow. And also we have PhD uh, program, educational and uh, educational measurement and evaluation. And so we have PhD students. And also we have our own summer school. It's international summer school applied psychometrics in psychology and education. Unfortunately, it was canceled during last year and this year uh, we decided not to conduct it online, but we hope to conduct it next year because it is international and we have participants from usually from 12 13 countries including United States that's great so it's it's famous yeah summer uh, School
0: that's fantastic I, I looked up your uh, center when uh, but you know I was doing some research for the interview I always look up not just the website but I go and, and look what I can see on on sort of Google Maps just to kind of get a, a mm-hmm. sense like the physical space. Uh, that my guests mm-hmm. are are inhabiting, mm-hmm. and I just I was so jealous uh, when I saw sort of the the walkway and and the little cafe, mm-hmm. and it just looked like such a a wonderful uh, location to just uh, just to live a livable human scale location. So I imagine conducting research and learning in that space, uh, it's a fantastic uh, place for learning. I can say that just. From the-
1: yes, sorry. yes, agree, 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 and as. Uh, if we speak about our students, mm. uh, they have uh, different background. Uh, many of them are psychologists, mm. and they are interested in survey construction, in measuring maybe psychological constructs, and uh, some of them are with uh, technical background and math also, um, math too. Uh, and they're interested maybe in methods of machine learning and maybe use of digital data, how to use uh, time response, for example. And so we have uh, different students with different backgrounds and it's a challenge to work with them mm. uh, to, uh, to organize their uh, joint work because they're very different but it's very interesting sure and we don't have many we have about uh, 20 each year and this year we enrolled 30.
0: okay that's great well hopefully things with covid mm-hmm. will ease up in the next year or however that you know however that mm-hmm. works and, and you, can, you can sort of normalize some of those uh summer trainings and and things like that and
1: and yeah but really we hope to uh begin our uh work offline with students this year but some of them decided to stay at home and study online so we have like hybrid Mm -hmm. format
0: i see that's
1: this year a
0: lot of people are are jumping into that I i did a little bit of that myself so as an educator i don't know how you feel but it that it's it's much harder. You know, it's like you're teaching two classes.
1: Yes, yes, sure, sure. It's it's very hard to teach hybrid hybrid.
0: Yes. How about if we uh, jump a little bit into your into your research? We already talked about you know you you focus on sort of psychometrics and and large scale data sets. Maybe we can kind of jump into a few of your your pieces. And and I you know I just want to say congratulations on your. Uh, nature human behavior piece, you know, that, that's a, a, a huge journal, so congratulations on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I thought
0: it was kind of interesting, you were just talking about sort of uh, skill development uh, in STEM education, but you're, you're mm-hmm. comparing across, not just mm-hmm. in one country, mm-hmm. but you're doing true international uh, comparisons. Yeah. Can you yes. talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that piece? Some of
1: the- yes, it was very, very big uh, uh, study and survey, and we conducted this research for, I think for five years from maybe, because it was a longitude study. And we uh, sampled students in different countries, Russia, China, and India. And we used, uh, my center was uh, responsible for psychometrics modeling for this project, the project was called SUPA Test Project. Uh, And uh, so it was conducted by different countries by leadership of Prashant Layalka from Stanford University. Okay. And uh, we tried to compare uh, achievement skills and gains uh, of students, um, engineering majors like IT and double majors. And so students were uh, served when they just started their uh, study at the university first year and after that third year. And uh, uh, the second cohort was from the third year to fourth year. So Mm. it's undergraduate students in different countries, big samples. And we uh, test them with uh, um, professional competencies tests and uh, also uh, higher order skills tests like critical thinking or creativity uh, or relational reasoning tests. So there were different instruments. Some of them were developed by international team, uh, including us, and some of them were provided by our partners, for example, educational testing service. Oh, yeah. And so it was a great, great study. And we uh, tried to compare, uh, especially games, because students, of course, they uh, began their study with different level of critical thinking, for example, mm. but what happens while the students of university, if the level of their critical thinking, uh, increased or no, or decreased, or is the same. So it was results were very interesting. You can read in this paper. It was, of course, unexpected for us because In Russia, it was the first attempt to assess critical thinking Mm. for our Russian students. It was the first attempt. We don't have uh, instruments for this now. My center is developing tests of critical thinking right now, but it is not uh, ready yet. And we don't have uh, reliable and valid instruments for measuring critical thinking in Russia. So it was the first attempt. And results, of course, were very interesting.
0: Right, we won't spoil them, I guess, for the for the <laughs> listeners. They'll have to go and, and check it out them, themselves. Maybe They we can we can provide a link. Certainly.
1: <laughs> yes, sure, sure, it's open.
0: No, I think it's interesting that you you talk about. There's no reliable uh, instrument in in Russian. One of the things that I have been trying to get some of my students, who international students who can who can both read and speak their local language and and English, is to really take some of the instruments and surveys that are widely available and widely used in the U.S. and and translate them over, uh, localize them, Mm -hmm. make them culturally responsive. And that's like a a great valuable resource for the scientific community, I I think.
1: Yes, you're right, of course. But there are many reasons that uh, sometimes it's better to have own instruments. Mm. For example, there are cultural uh, differences. There are languages, difficulties, and we have great experience if uh, test translation and adaptation uh, into Russian language from English or from from German, uh, because we have uh, many different international projects and we use different instruments for different purposes. But for uh, if we would like to use in Russia, it's better, especially, I mean, of course, not level of a teacher. I mean, level of maybe national or maybe state level that uh, implies high quality of instrument. Right. And uh, uh, that is a it's approved that it's qualitative, reliable, and valid. And of course, specialists Uh, must develop uh, our own instruments that are based on our standards, Mm. that are based on our educational programs, that uh, take into account special features of our maybe educational system. Mm -hmm. So each country, uh, of course, we can use for certain purposes, we can use international instruments and translate them. Especially for international studies, right? But for our own use, uh, uh, we of course we need to develop our own. Moreover, I would like to say that uh, there are many constructs that are interested for researchers and maybe policymakers right now. That there are no instruments in the world at all. For example, critical thinking. There is a new construct, uh, critical online reasoning. Is the ability of a person, of a student to analyze information in internet, to select uh, it, to use it correctly, to solve a problem using information from internet to critically analyze it. It's a new construct and now, we don't have instrument to assess this construct and uh, there are attempts to do it. Uh, and uh, I can mention a group of Olga Zlatkin-Draljanskaya in Germany, Mainz, University of Mainz. They are working on uh, developing instrument for this construct. Right. And we are working together with them on the same constructs too for Russia because uh, students in this test students use real internet to solve the problem i see so it's it's very difficult to uh, estimate their uh, what words they use to find the information mm-hmm. what sites they use how do they how do they think uh, trying to solve the problem and uh, how to analyze a that they provide as a response to the problem. So it's, it's a huge problem, it's very interesting. And my center works only with innovative instruments. So new constructs and uh, there, there are uh, complex latent con- constructs, not just mathematics, but critical thinking, or digital literacy and creativity or something like that. And uh, we use new type of items, of course, not not only multiple choice items, but scenario-based items, game-based assessment and so on. And we require uh, new technologies for this. So it's, it's, it's new world and all countries will, of course, we uh, have international partners for all our projects.
0: It sounds cutting edge. The future, I think, of what other centers might be looking for and, and looking to your center. I hope. So, uh, that's great. I'm actually. I want to. I want to key in on something that you mentioned, and I think is is tough for a lot of scholars and countries around the world. They're not uh, English based countries, but we're in this sort of international system. You know, you mit- mentioned QS and sort of the the rankings and things like that. And and even sort of some of the, the mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. journals, you know, I talked about uh, Nature earlier. Mostly these are English, uh, you know, these are English uh, language focused. So, you know, w- can you maybe talk a little bit about the balance or the or what are the what are the challenges of making sure that you also are honoring and focusing on your your Russian language and sort of publishing in Russian mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, only the international?
1: It's a good question. Of course, we uh, would prefer to publish all our articles, all our papers, all our research results in the Russian language. And Americans are very lucky that they can publish everything in their native language. And right. uh, we
0: don't realize that we are.
1: Yes. And all, all conferences are in English, and we are talking in English with you. So right. of course, I understand that it's, uh, it's uh, you are lucky, and it's, uh, it's a change for us. All my young colleagues, they can speak very good English because really uh, all of them understand that English is the international language and all of them can do it. My generation of course has some difficulties and uh, but uh, of course we have Russian journals. And for example, we have journals that is uh, Scopus uh, Quartile One, it's educational studies it is journal in Russian language, but it's translated in English. I see, okay. And so uh, you can find at HSE website, the English version of this journal. And uh, we try to publish our uh, papers uh, there too. But uh, if we have, for example, international study with international partners, of course, uh, this international team uh, would like to publish the results in international journal uh, and to provide information for all uh, researchers in the world, not because nobody uh, can read Russian journal if he doesn't know language. Right. So the balance is now, uh, I think, maybe 60 international journals and 40% to Russian journals. We understand that we need to write in Russian uh, because it's very important. It's our mission right. to popularize ideas of uh, good measurement of new uh, psychometrics sure. and so on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You, you also mentioned uh, policymakers earlier, so I'm I'm curious how receptive have policymakers been to some of the maybe suggestions and some of the findings that you mm-hmm. that you
1: have mm-hmm. in, in, in your research. Uh, this question is uh, not only for my center; is uh, it? It relates to the Institute of Education in, in total because Institute is big, and we have several centers, and we have. Uh, different uh, scientific directions of research and institute provides information for policy makers in different topics including for example digital transformation of schools or uh, um, equity uh, educational equity and as for us we uh, try to uh, conduct international research and provide policymakers with information about um, place of our students among international students. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean such famous studies as uh, PISA or teams because there are uh, another company who works with them. I mean studies that uh, we conduct uh, with our international partners like supertest project that you mentioned. It was uh, very important information about our STEM students uh, that was uh, funded in, in this uh, study. So we try to provide them with information and also for example we it's very important we work a lot with primary school i think and we uh, mm-hmm. try to measure the individual progress of each students from the start of first grade to the end of primary school it's fourth grade in russia mm-hmm. and we can show the individual uh like individual progress of each student each student it's uh, similar to pupil monitoring system that was uh, developed by Sito in the Netherlands and so we can and we publish results of our research and results of individual progress and uh, relations between Different uh, factors and the results. So it's information that it's, of course, it's very important in this for policymakers.
0: So we're we're kind of coming to the end of the interview, and just for one final question, you, what are you, what are you excited about next? Do you have a a next project that you're either working on or maybe? Finishing up, or, or something that isn't quite out yet, but but you're excited mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's very difficult to mention only one. You can do a. a... But uh, yes, yes, no one because we are working now on uh, development development the instrument for measuring uh, city literacy. Mm. So it's a new construct, and Moscow government uh, asked us for this. Toolkit. Mm-hmm. It's a complex, a complex construct. City literacy for students who are tenth uh, grade school students. So they are about sixteen. Right. And uh, it will be it will be scenario based instrument, computer based, scenario based, uh, based on evidence centered um, methodology. And uh, really, it will uh, it will include several components mm. like uh, local literacy or digital literacy or uh, international communication, and and so on. Mm. And so, it's very exciting project, and we are going to uh, pilot it in October, and. Uh, maybe it will be international sure. new study
0: so well, yeah we'll <laughs> have to take it and translate it into english i think
1: yes it's it's very interesting very and we use modern technology maps uh, active maps in the software so it's very interesting
0: oh that's fascinating. so it's sort of like how people sense and understand the city or or like urban spaces is that
1: uh, it's uh, urban spaces how to for example uh, how to organize uh, road from one way point to another point Mm. by the short way how to help other people uh, ecological uh, problems of big city and many other problems that are included in this construct
0: i see wow that's so
1: it's it's scenario based so it's uh, uh, a student has a problem Uh, that the problem is included in their real real life situations and so he goes through software and tries to solve different tasks uh, to solve the problem
0: well we'll we'll be looking out for that Dr. Cardanova thank you very much for joining me on the podcast yes and uh, we hope to hear from you
1: again. Uh, thank you for inviting me it was very pleasure
0: and this concludes our Kicks EAP podcast, which is released every first Wednesday of the month. Of course, the opinions expressed on the Kicks EAP podcast are solely those of the host and the guest. The Kicks EAP podcast is made possible by Kicks, which stands for Knowledge and Innovation Exchange. KICS is an initiative of the Global Partnership for Education. Globally, KICS is administered by the International Development Research Center in Canada. NORAG in Geneva hosts one of the four regional hubs of Kicks. Thanks for listening. Find us on the NORAG or GPE KIX websites. You can subscribe to the KIX EAP podcast, newsletter, and webinar series. And also learn about KIX global or regional projects. Additionally, you can subscribe directly on Spotify or SoundCloud to receive notifications of the new monthly podcast episodes.